when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. <laughs> Go Raider Nation! Welcome to Just Pod Baby with your host Evan Grove. Just Pod Baby is a part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network brought to you by SB Nation. Give me a follow on Twitter at egro 5 and check us out at silverandblackpride.com for all the latest news involving your Las Vegas Raiders. Happy New Year's Raider Nation and welcome to the off-season edition of Just Pod Baby. Uh, Wild Card Weekend wrapped up yesterday. There was four really good, entertaining football games. Um... I think I speak for everyone when I say I'm very happy to be moving on uh, from the 2019 season and beginning to look ahead to uh, what is in store for the Las Vegas Raiders in 2020 and beyond. Before we get into that, um, I do want to finish kind of wrapping up this past season. So that's where we're going to begin this week's episode. Your outlook on this past season Depends on a lot. Um, the type of person you are. That's what I mean by that. If you're more of a glass half full kind of person, um, then you may have more of a positive spin on the season. However, if you look at things with that glass half empty perspective, well, then I think you can find a lot more negatives in things that you were unhappy about this season. Now, because you can look at it really any way you want, you can you could look at this season. Uh, with, with whatever uh, narrative you want to create, and you can kind of put your own spin on it. Uh, but the bottom line is, this team did improve their win total by three from the previous season. So, again, however you want to try to spin it, uh, whatever your outlook is on this season, there was an improvement from a wins and loss uh, perspective. So what I want to do here at the top of the show is... It's to kind of start and to give you my my breakdown. I made a list of pros and cons from the seasons, okay? Uh, positives and negatives, if you will. And I want to try and, and play both sides of the fence. I think it's good to get you um, different perspectives on the season. I think sometimes people kind of just tend to, um, you know, have a have a one-sided of opinion so I kind of want to I want to play both sides of the, the fence here so um, what I'm gonna do here I'm gonna start with the list of pros that I came up with and it, you know I may have missed a few I, I tried to come up with a lot of the big things that were positives or negatives throughout the season and um, and then I'll kind of let you form your own opinion on, on how you felt the season went so again we're gonna start here with the pros um, now as I just mentioned, there was a three-game improvement in the standing. So in 2018, the Raiders finished 4-12. and That was a horrendous season. Uh, you know, there was a fire sale. They traded Khalil Mack at the beginning of the season. Midway through the year, during right around the trade deadline, they, they 
got rid of one of their other former first-round picks, Amari Cooper. So uh, the rebuild was in total uh, motion at that point. Now, this season they finished up 7-9. and nine. So that, again, that is a three-game improvement. However you want to look at it, that's a good sign. Now, some other positives. Uh, I thought it was a, a positive takeaway of the season that they were in the playoff hunt in the final weeks of the, se- the season. Week 16, week 17, they're still alive. Now, granted, it was a extremely long shot that they were they could make the playoffs uh, in week 17, you know. But they they had a path. They did have a path. It was very unlikely, and it didn't happen. But uh, you know, you, you can't argue the point that uh, you can't argue the fact that. In week 17, going into that game, there was a shot. So that that's a positive to me. Uh, after a three and four start, which included, um, don't forget that three and four start that the Raiders had included the span of six weeks uh, where they did not play a home game in the uh, Coliseum. So it was a it was a, a really tough stretch there to start the season, and. Uh, now remember that road trip also started in Minnesota. They then went to Indianapolis. Then they crossed the pond to London uh, to face the Bears. After the London trip, they had the bye week, and back uh, on the road again following the bye in Week Seven in Green Bay, and then again on the road Week Eight at Houston. So it was a it was a pretty uh, tough stretch there to start the season. They 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 went three and four in that stretch, which wasn't horrible, which was not horrible. Uh, so that was a positive. And um, I don't recall any other team in, in recent memory having that sort of uh, sort of travel schedule. I mean, that was just absolutely brutal. And after that road trip, one other real positive sign that I saw from this team was that they were able to. Rattle off three consecutive wins. Now, all three of those wins came at home, uh, you know, which is obviously helped. But they were able to improve the record from three and four to six and four. And um, now, I also might add that at this point, they were all squared up with the Chiefs for the AFC West division lead. So, you know, things were really looking good at this point for this team. A lot of fans were excited and and, and beginning to kind of buy into. Man, could this team be a playoff team? So uh, things were looking good at that point. And, and for me personally, I was extremely happy because going into the season, I you know I kind of had this team pegged for five or six wins. So for me, they were already exceeding my expectations um, to that point in the season. Now, the next thing I want to talk about, uh, next positive that I took away from this season is needing a win uh, badly in Week 16 uh, to stay alive. Don't forget, they needed to win in week 16, along with a couple other things that they needed to happen, some help from some other teams, which which did, they needed to go to um, Los Angeles on the road and get a win. And uh, that's exactly what they did. Now, I say on the road only because the schedule said the game was played in Los Angeles, but it, it really was more of a home game because the place was filled with Raider fans. But I thought it was really good to see the team respond in week 16 after they had a, a, a really bad stretch of football. Uh, another one of the positives that I took from this season, obviously the rookie class. I mean, what else can you say? Uh, if you've been a loyal listener to this show or this podcast, or if you follow my work at all over at silverandblackpride.com, then you know my feelings on this rookie class. Uh, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Foster Moreau, Cleveland Farrell, Trayvon Mullen, and you, and you can't forget the undrafted free agent uh, fullback, Alec Ingold, 
they all played huge roles, and um, they they played a lot of snaps, and um, they all played really well for rookies. Some of them played exceptionally well. Some of them played better towards the end of the season, but uh, there's no doubt about it. This this class is is uh, going to be a foundation for this team for years to come. Uh, we obviously didn't see much from uh, Jonathan Abram, who was injured in week one, or Isaiah Johnson, who was a guy that we heard a lot of good things about during the um, during training camp. And it, and it does seem like um, Gruden and, and uh, Gunther are, are big believers in him, but we never really saw him get a chance. He, he battled some injuries um, early in the season and... Uh, you know, but I do expect both of those players to contribute next year. Some interesting stats that I, I have for you uh, about the rookie class. They led the NFL. The Raiders rookie class led the NFL um, in touchdowns, 17. So out of all the rookie classes uh, amongst all the teams. Scrimmage yards, they had 2,289 scrimmage yards, which led the league. They led the league in sacks at 14 and a half. And yards rushing, 1,167 yards. So really, really impressive numbers there from the rookie class. The run defense also much improved this season. In 2018, they ranked 30th in the league. They gave up 141 yards per game. I mean, that was it was terrible. They, could, they couldn't stop the run at all. In 2019, they improved drastically to the 8th best run defense in the league, giving up only 98 yards per game. It was the first time uh, a Raiders defense has held teams under the 100-yard mark since 2002, so it had been a long time. Uh, So that was a a very good area of improvement. Speaking of the defense, that embarrassing sack total from 2018-13, you know, the one we heard about all offseason going into this past season, how about 32 this year? Big jump. Now, 32 is much improved, but it still wasn't great when you compare it to the rest of the league. Their 32 sacks ranked them tied for 24th. So still an area where they need to look to get a little bit better, uh, possibly you know, maybe on the interior. I think they have, obviously they've had Max Crosby on the outside who had 10 sacks this year. Uh, Cleveland Farrell you know, had some flashes, uh, needs to develop into more of a consistent pass rusher. I think they need to get some more push from the interior, and I think that will help the overall sack numbers. Derek Carr. You know, we, we you either love Carr or you hate Carr, but however you feel about the man, he did, he did show some more signs of improvement this year. He threw for over 4,000 yards for the second straight year, which were the first two times in his career, I might add, under Gruden. He finished second in the league in completion percentage, 70.4%, and he was eighth in yards. So, you know, some some decent numbers there from Carr. Unfortunately, it didn't translate into many wins or as many wins as we would have liked, but, you know, showing some signs of life. Um, another area of improvement, Carr was sacked only 29 times this year after he was, uh, you know, beaten and battered last year by his offensive line, being sacked 51 times. So there was improvement there along the offensive line. It was an area where, you know, the the um, Mayock and Gruden invested heavily in the offseason, bringing in Trent Brown, giving him that big contract. I think Colton Miller really, really came into his own this year. I think he really quietly put together a very solid season. You didn't hear a lot about him, which to me is a good thing. Um, he played all uh, 16 games. You know, he had some moments where he, you know, gave up a, a few uh, sacks, had some bad plays, but overall, 
a much better season from Colton Miller. Um, the uh, more emphasis they put on the offensive line, they went out and signed Richie Incognito, and I think he was that really worked out well for them. We'll get into more about that in a little bit. Darren Waller has established himself as one of the premier tight ends in the league. I mean, what a story! What a season! Um, to go from uh, you know, Ravens uh, practice squad last year, getting signed by the Raiders, hearing Gruden talk about the potential he saw in Waller, and and to see it actually happened. It was just number one, you got to give Waller a ton of credit for for kind of turning things around and not only his life but his career, but also you got to give Gruden credit. He told us about this guy and you know, sometimes Gruden says things that you can, you know, you you could call him crazy for. But man, he was he was dead on when it came to Darren Waller. He the guy's a stud. Uh finished his breakout season with 90 catches for 100, uh, I'm sorry, 1,145 yards, which ranked him only behind uh, one other tight end in the league, and that was uh, Travis Kelsey in both of those categories. So uh, the Raiders have him locked up, I believe, through the 2022 season, and uh, I think he's 26. So definitely, uh, you know, have a, a solid tight end locked up for the next uh, few years. Okay, so so that is some of the good, um, you know, if you're a, your, your glass half full kind of thinkers out there. Now I want to play uh, the other side, and let's take a look at some of those cons, okay? So let me start with, I think for me, the, the biggest glaring negative takeaway from the season had to have been the way that the season ended. After that 6-4 and four start that I talked about, they finished the season going 1-5. and five. I mean, that is just, it's horrendous. And the losses were not even close. They were blowouts, many of them. Um, it all started, and I think it was probably the turning point of the season, really, when you look back on the season. The Raiders get to 6-4. and four. They're in the mix in the AFC West. They go cross-country on the road, feeling great about themselves, into uh, MetLife Stadium to face the Jets who really weren't playing well at the time. I think they had beaten the Cowboys, who were like the, really the only good win they had up to that point. And they get absolutely manhandled. I mean, 34-3 to loss. Um, it was just an embarrassment. Uh, and I think, to me, that's where... I mean, obviously, that's where things started to go south. And, and, and that game was definitely the turning point of the season. They followed up that performance by going on the road again uh, to uh, Arrowhead, which uh, was a cold-weather game, and we all know the struggles Derek Carr has, and they laid another egg 49, getting beat 49. Uh, they come back home the following week and are you know, embarrassed again at home, 42-21 to to the Titans. So, I mean, it was ugly. It was a really ugly three-game stretch there. And and don't forget the meltdown loss uh versus the Jaguars in the finale at the Coliseum. Uh, After leading 16-3 at halftime, um, the Jaguars went on to score 17 unanswered points. Derek Carr was booed off the field. It was just, it was a really down moment uh, in the season. So to me, that 1-5 finish after such a promising start really kind of put a a damper on, on the whole season when you look at it, you know, overall. Now, during that three-game win streak that I mentioned earlier, you know, where they beat the Lions, the Chargers, and the Bengals, not exactly, 
you know, the cream of the crop uh, in the NFL. If you look at those games also, they all came down to the final possession of the game. So it wasn't exactly like they uh, were dominating these teams. They barely pulled off the wins. And those three teams, Lions, Chargers, and Bengals, had a combined record of 10-37 and 37 this year. So uh, not exactly convincing wins. Um, and they all came at home too. So, um, you know, I think maybe they, they might have been almost overachieving a little bit at that point, I guess you could say, or some may say. This team was terrible on the road. This is another negative. Two and six on the road. I mean, you got to do better than that on the road. They were five and two at home and uh, two and six, two and six on, on the road. They, you know, young team, got to learn to travel. It's been an issue for many years. Um, under the Del Rio era, uh, I think it got a little better. I'd have to go back and look at the numbers to be certain, but I'm I'm almost positive things got a little bit better under Del Rio. And uh, you know, two and six, they got it. They got to work on that for next year for sure. Derek Carr continues to struggle in cold weather games. That was another negative. He was not able to really exercise those those cold weather uh, demons. Yes, he did play well uh, in the in the week seventeen game against Denver, but the temperature really wasn't, I mean, it was like 40 at kickoff, and it it dropped into the mid-30s, but it was dry, it wasn't raining, there was no snow, so it wasn't exactly, um, you know, treacherous uh, conditions, but he did play well there, but still, the record um, is is poor in those cold-weather games. Uh, another negative to this season. The Raiders were 0-6 against teams with winning records. I mean, really, that tells you all you need to know right there. They were, they, you know, they had that three-game win streak I talked about. They beat three terrible teams. So, I mean, you know, four of their wins came against, two against the Chargers, uh, Bengals, Lions, who else did they beat? Uh, Denver to begin the season. And, you know, so, I mean, what I'm saying is they didn't really beat anybody. Uh, the Bears, okay, eight and eight. They finished eight and eight. They really did not beat a good team all year. Um, so zero and six against winning t- teams with winning records. The second half woes. How about that? In particular, the third quarter. In that final stretch of the season, where they went one and five, they were terrible in the third quarter. In fact, they were outscored by eighty-four points this season in the third quarter, which is the worst mark in the NFL since 2012. So the second-half adjustments were just not being made by by this coaching staff. Um, and many times, in, in some cases, they had a lead in the first half or were playing well in the first half. I can recall, um, I believe it was the uh, Jaguars game where Derek Carr threw for like 222 yards in the first half. And then the second half comes out and throws for 45 yards. Now, I'm not putting that on Carr, but I'm just saying, you know, adjustments were not being made. So a major area, uh, a major negative area for the team this year. The offense averaged 19.6 points per game. That is the third season in a row that this team, this offense, has failed to average 20 points a game. That's not going to get it done. Not when your defense gives up, you know, 27, 28 points a game. That is not a recipe. Okay, and um, some more bad news. The scoring differential, okay, 106, minus 106 on the season. Not good. How about the free agent acquisitions or players that were acquired through trade this year? 
not good. We've we've praised Mayock and Gruden for how well they did with the rookie class this year. Major, major uh, foundation in place. But those free agents and the trades that were made were major, major busts, starting with Antonio Brown. I'm not even going to get into that situation. We all know how that turned out. They gave up a third-round pick for him and a fifth-round pick, and the guy never played in one snap. So major, major um, you know, bad move, really. When you look back on it, it was a terrible, terrible move. Probably the worst move, um, not probably, the worst move um, all season. Tyrell Williams, who was also brought in, was supposed to be Antonio Brown's wingman, but he, again, he was kind of forced into that starting wide receiver one role. He had a good start to the season, but battled injury, plantar fasciitis, and it really slowed him down most of the season and, you know, really became ineffective down the stretch. Um, Excuse me, LaMarcus Joyner. Another player who was brought in signing a big contract, and, and many thought he was going to be a difference maker for this defense. And and he really struggled in his role as a full-time slot corner. And I think that, you know, many think that he was playing out of position this year. So um, hopefully they can get that fixed uh, next year and maybe play him in a spot where he's a little bit more uh, comfortable and he, he's more effective. Um, Vontez Perfect a guy that I was not high on bringing on in the first place, him or Antonio Brown. I did not like these guys before they were Raiders, was not thrilled that, to have them in the silver and black. That totally blew up in their face with a 12-game suspension. Say what you want. Say that the say that the suspension was a bit too harsh. Bottom line is the guy had had multiple um, similar situations in the past. He knew that he was on thin ice. The NFL had been warning him. And so you can't be overly surprised that the guy was suspended. Curtis Riley, Nevin Lawson, you know, guys who were brought in to kind of help with the secondary, you know, you didn't get much from them. Okay, those are those are uh, depth players. Those players cannot be expected to be starting in your secondary. And, and if they are, which was the case down the stretch of the season with all the injuries, you're going to have problems. Um, how about some of the in-season trades that were made? Trevor Davis. That was a terrible move. Terrible. The guy didn't finish the season with the team. He was let go. Um, how about Zay Jones? He was also brought in midseason for a fifth-round pick from the Bills. He stinks. Guy played 10 games with the Raiders, caught 20 passes. That is not good value there. Uh, you know, with the exceptions of Richie Incognito and Trent Brown, uh, when you look at the free agent class and some of the trades that were made during the season, if you were to give this 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 group of players a grade overall, I mean, you're looking at it had to be like a D. I mean, I'm, I'm being generous there with that. I mean, you could also you could go as low as an F if you want. I mean, it was terrible. None of these players really stood out or did anything, you know, on a consistent basis to help this team, with the exception of again Incognito or Trent Brown. Getting back to their roots, the Raiders were the third most penalized team in the NFL this year with 128 penalties for a whopping 1,138 yards. Interestingly enough, the 128 flags that were thrown on the team this year was their highest since 2016, when they were flagged 146 times, which led the league. And if you recall, obviously that was the Raiders finished the year 12-4, and so I thought that was a little bit interesting there. Okay, so I think you've probably heard enough of those. Um... I think I nailed most of the big ones, again, for both sides of the argument. As far as where I stand, I think I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, 
you know, I, I want to try to remain positive with this team. I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I was pretty realistic with my expectations for this team. And um, I think I, I kind of fall somewhere in the middle, leaning more towards I think the season was a success, really, when you look at it. Uh, I was very pleased where where things were uh, at 6-4. and four. But at the same time, you know, obviously I was disappointed with the finish, but I was realistic that they had beaten three bad teams to get to, to get to that point. Um, however, you know, I was enthusiastic and I was I was a believer that, you know, they were in the mix. And it, it was an exciting time. And it's hard not to, as a fan, it's hard not to get excited and to, you know, get your hopes up, really. And I think that was really what happened for a lot of Raider Nation out there is that we saw the team was 6-4 and four, and you tend to overlook some of the flaws when you have a team, it's you know when you're tied for the division lead, you you kind of overlook some of those those flaws, and I think that's you know I'll be honest, that's that happened to me at some points. Um, the fact that they were involved in meaningful games late in the year, you know, late November, late uh, you know December, uh, they're involved in these meaningful games, and I I think that's a good positive sign. The injuries they dealt with, when you combine that in there, um, you know, it, it was a promising sign for this team, and I think you combine. The three-game improvement in the standings uh, with the foundation that's in place with the rookie class and the youngsters on the roster, you know, that travel schedule cannot be overlooked. They were, that they were dealt this season. Very difficult uh, travel schedule for a young team. And I, I think Raider fans have to be somewhat satisfied with what occurred in the season. Disappointed, yes, but again, keeping your expectations in check. You never like to see your team go one and five down the stretch. Uh, especially in the most important uh, games of the year, but I, I do think that really what occurred was the injuries, uh, you know, really started to pile up, and the the lack of depth and talent on the roster was really exposed, and in the end, it caught up to them. So those are some of my thoughts on the season. I'm going to step aside real quick, and when I return. Um, in the next segment, I'm going to share with you some of the feedback that I got on Twitter. I posted a question, and um, I wanted to see how some of the fans out there feel about this past season. So uh, we'll be right back after this quick break. Okay, and welcome back to Just Pod Baby. Uh, we are recapping the Raiders' seven and nine season, uh, the good, the bad, and and everything in between, really. Um, so what we're gonna do here is I, I put out a tweet uh, the other night on, on Twitter, and I wanted some feedback from some some of my followers, and um, you know I I wanted to know your opinion. Did you feel that this season was a success? Or was it not? Are, are you a glass half full kind of thinker or are you a glass half empty? So um, I reached out to you and um, I asked you your opinion and, um, you know, you guys responded. And so I want to share with you some of those responses that I got. And and, and as a whole, I kind of just give you a, a bit of a teaser. The, the feedback was, was generally real positive. Many of you are in the belief that the season was a success and you did see progress uh, in year two under Gruden uh, in his second stint with the Raiders. So let's start with um, a response I got from, uh, and I'll give you the Twitter handle and the location um, that 
this person was was tweeting from. So let's start with uh, Stony, and that's at Raider Stony, and he is from Whitehaven, Pennsylvania. Stony says, in my opinion, it was a success. The real the rebuild looks good. A lot of work still to be done, but we knew that coming in. Uh, a lot of good, uh, excuse me, a lot of people, myself included. Uh, bought into the hype, so it does hurt. But as a team, it's good progress. A lot of good things coming. Yeah. So um, again, I think he, uh, Stony, probably feels very similar to w- w- the way I do. Um, you know, we're, we're very happy about that rookie class. Some building blocks in place, and you know, when it, when the team was six and four, we kind of bought into that hype, and I talked about that earlier. So, uh, Stony, thank you very much for your uh, your feedback. Next one came from Raider Roo. That's at Raider Roo, and he uh, hails from Logan, Utah. What Raider Roo had to say, record-wise, they were right in the range I expected them before the season. However, after being 6-4, and four, going 1-5 and five was a major letdown. Still, I'm a glass-half-full thinker. Just hope we can uh, improve in a few areas. Um, again, I have to agree with that, Raider Roo. Um, although I didn't peg them for seven wins or even eight wins. Again, I, I had them more around five or six wins, so um, I can't say that I expected them to, you know, be competitive and, you know, to the end of the season. But um, if you say so, then, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. Next comment is from uh, J.R. Cornette, and that's uh, at Varsity Camp Life. I did not get a location on him, but that's okay. Uh, what JR had to say was, sure, it was a success. We took a step ahead in the face of adversity. Let me guess, he's probably talking about uh, Antonio Brown, <laughs> right? Let's all be honest. That's what he means by the face of adversity. Probably he also just talking about a lot of the injuries that they dealt with throughout the season. Um, he went on to say, it could have been better, but it was clearly a step in the right direction, loving our 2019 draft class. Yeah, that's going to be a common theme that you're going to see here amongst uh, the comments that I got from, from from the fans on Twitter is that the 2019 draft class, everyone feels that uh, they're going to provide us with a, a very you know good foundation here. So um, you'll continue to hear that as I go along here. Next comment was from Cody C., uh, and that is at code this, and he is from North Bay, California. Cody says, I always have a half, um, excuse me, I always have a glass half full when it comes to the Raiders. I have a lot more faith now in the front office, and I trust that they'll make good moves in free agency and the draft as well. 2019, they took a big step considering all the starters they lost. So many good rookies, future is bright. Yeah, I agree. Again, another comment about the draft class. Um, And I, too, have a lot of faith in this um, front office. Um, Mayock has five picks in the top 100 here at his disposal um, in the upcoming draft. And the Raiders have plenty of money to spend in free agency. And so, you know, I too feel confident, although I was not thrilled with the free agent class in 2000, you know, this past season, 2019, I'm confident that they'll fix that problem going forward. Next, I have a comment from RDK, and that is at RK Roadrunner, uh, coming from Washington State, okay, Washington State, USA. What RDK had to say was both, in my opinion, they were not as good as their record. 
They played six games versus teams with winning records who made the playoffs and lost all six. Point differential for the season was minus 106. Reality is, this is not yet a playoff caliber team. Rookie class offers some hope. Yeah, good point there. Um, you know, RDK kind of took it more so from the uh, negative point of view. Um, touched on, you know, the, the the record versus winning teams that I talked about earlier. The point differential. You know, those are big. Those are important stats to keep in mind. Um, and, and that's a good point. Reality is, this team is not a playoff caliber team, really. And even if they were to sneak into the playoffs, that would have been almost like a total fluke, really. I mean, the way they were playing down the stretch, even if they were to beat Denver, let's say, and and, and those other things happened uh, that they needed uh, from the other teams, if they had snuck into the playoffs, they still would have finished the, the final six games going 2-4 and four down the stretch. I mean, they were playing bad football, and so that, that is a good point. Reality is this team really was, wasn't even deserving of being in the playoffs. Um, next comment is from Moses, that is at... A.I. Moses, Citrus Heights, California. What Moses says, well, this is odd, because at the beginning of the season, I would have been stoked for a 7-9 and nine season. But after going 6-4, and four, finishing very weak and uninspired, it feels like a failure. Only because they could have or should have finished better. Yeah, we, we were all kind of teased. You know, at 6-4, and four, when you're looking at the standings and you see that the Chiefs are also 6-4, and four, you can't help but get excited. And again, I, I took the bait too. Um, so we were all left, you know, very disappointed with that uninspiring finish. But again, keep those keep those uh, expectations and, and keep them in check. Next comment, Sanjeet T. That's at Sanjeet T or underscore T from San Francisco, California. Sanjeet says, there were definitely some negatives and positives, but the Raiders definitely outperformed my expectations of them this year. I think the biggest reason why they outperformed my expectations were because I didn't predict how good Josh Jacobs would be. The defense still needs improvement. Yeah, that, that's obvious. The defense was it's just not good enough. Um, they played better in the final three games of the season, no doubt. But there's still way too many holes on this defense, uh, you know, particularly at middle linebacker. They got to figure it out this year. I really hope that they address that early in the draft. Um, you know, the secondary. Who knows what's going to happen with Carl Joseph? Um, they, they they may have to add another safety uh, unless they're going to bump uh, Lamarcus Joyner back to safety. Um, another corner. They need someone to go alongside Trayvon Mullen. I am not sold on uh, Daryl Worley. I know the coaching staff loves his versatility. I'm not sold on him. So I think there's there's definitely areas to improve on the defense. And as far as Josh Jacobs goes, I don't know if any of us thought he was going to be this good this year. I mean, we really didn't know. We knew that the potential was there. But because of the lack of um, carries, I guess, at, at Alabama, we just really didn't know uh, what he was fully capable of doing. And I think that... You know he he showed that his future is bright. He he is going to be one of the finest backs in the league. He's going to be up there year after year competing for the you know rushing title. I think um, you know had he stayed healthy, you know who knows he could he, he finished the season with uh, I believe it was eleven just a little over eleven hundred yards. And um, you know had he stayed healthy, he could have been in the thirteen hundred yard range. So. Um, you know, the health remains a big issue for him. Uh, you know, he didn't he did not get a lot of work at Alabama, so we thought he would be fresh. People had questions about how he would hold up, 
you know, being the premier back and, uh, you know, he, he showed some toughness, but the bottom line is he did get hurt. So, um, that'll be something to monitor, you know, throughout his career. Jay Joanna, Johanna, I'm sorry, is next. And that is at JJ Renteria 76 from Houston, Texas, Texas. He says half full team is improved compared to last year, but still lots of room to grow. Carr seems like the less of a sure thing than he did when the season started, but I'm not ready to pass up on him just yet. I'm excited for Vegas and how Mayock and Gruden do in free agency in the draft. Yeah, you know, Derek Carr, He again, he is the most polarizing player, uh, Raider player that I have ever seen in my lifetime. Um, It's like, uh, you know, it's like the political, uh, you know, it's either you love Trump or hate Trump. It's either you love Carr or hate Carr. I, you know, you very rarely find anyone who kind of falls along the middle. Um, it's very much in line with again what's going on in politics these days. Um, but you know, bottom line, Carr did show some improvement. He still has a long way to go in my eyes. When you know, I watched these wild card games over the weekend. And you see guys like Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson being able to extend plays with their legs, being able to keep plays alive. That is just something you do not see from Derek Carr. And I think that's an area where he's got to improve. Um, so that that's where I, that's kind of some of the, my thoughts on Derek Carr. We will get into more, um, in, not in this episode, but in, in future episodes, I will talk more specifically about you know, Derek Carr and his future with the Raiders and how I feel about that. Okay, so those are a few of the comments, and I had many, many more, but I'm not going to continue, um, you know, reading every single one that I got. But I, I do want to thank um, Raiders Twitter and everyone who got involved and participated with my my question there, and and I'm going to continue to try to do more things like this in the future where I can, you know, get some of you guys to interact and and get involved with the show. Um, you know, maybe even some sometime down the road, maybe being able to take some phone calls and, and really getting you guys involved like that. So stay tuned for some of that. Um, and, and I wanted to kind of end on that last comment um, about Derek Carr and, you know, being excited for the move to Las Vegas because that is going to be a perfect segue into the final segment where we will take a look at the 2020 offseason moves that could or should be made and, again, begin looking ahead to Las Vegas. So uh, we'll be right back after this quick message. All right, and we are back on Just Pod Baby with our last final segment here. Um, okay, what we're going to do here, and this is going to be a brief segment. I'm not going to get into great detail because I'm. we've got plenty of time to uh, dive into free agency and uh, the draft. We'll have plenty of shows and opportunities to talk about that. But I just kind of want to give you a brief overview of, of you know, some of the offseason here as, as it begins. Um, first and foremost, the Raiders have $75 million in cap space to spend. So definitely have money to play with there. Okay, five picks in the top 100. And I would expect, I'm just going to put this out there right now, I think that that number 19 pick could be a, a, a trade down if if there's a partner, okay? But I, I just, I really think that Mayock wants to get some more picks 
And I think that would uh, be a, a spot where if he could trade back a couple, he's going to look to do so. So I would I would put money on it that they will be picking in the second round at some point um, in the draft. Now, what I want to do right now is I want to take a look at some of the Raiders' upcoming free agents. So um, players who will be uh, free agents in 2020. Now, they just locked up... Um, Richie Incognito. They signed him. I believe it was a two-year extension. So he will be back with the Raiders next year. Now, there's some unrestricted free agents. I'm going to read you the list here. We've got linebackers Vontez Perfect, Will Compton. Running back Isaiah Crowell, who was hurt all year with the Achilles. Uh, guard Jordan Deve. Devi, I'm sorry. Uh, quarterback Mike Glennon. Guard Denzel Good. Uh, Dwayne Harris, return man. Deion Jordan, who was brought in late in the season, who I thought really played well. Carl Joseph, Nevin Lawson, Josh Morrow, Benson Maioa, Olsen uh, Pierre, who was a guy they brought in late, uh, Jalen Richard, Curtis Riley, Rod Smith, Eric Tomlinson, DeAndre Washington, Kyle Wilbur, and Darrell Worley. So, Worley. So definitely some names in there who, who played quite a bit. Um, some of the guys I want to focus on, Perfect. I don't know what their plan would be with Perfect. Um, you know, again, I told you how I feel about him um, personally. Um, I thought Will Compton was a guy who really played well down the stretch, and if they can get him back on a you know a team friendly deal, I say go for it. Now Isaiah Crowell is an interesting one because I do think uh, they need to bring it. They need to add a, another back. Uh, I think we saw with uh, Josh Jacobs getting hurt. They needed to have another bigger body back in there. I think Washington and, and Richard are, you know, they're undersized. They're both about 200 and 205 pounds. So I think you do want to maybe take a look at Crowell. Okay, some other players that kind of jump out at me. Denzel Good. I think he's a guy that they could, you know, honestly, I think he could start. Should they decide they want to save some money, let's say on Gabe Jackson's contract, I believe that he could be cut this year with not a... Um, a, a large sum of dead cap space. I'd have to look into that to be exact, but I'm almost positive. I would feel confident with a guy like Denzel Good in there, a right tackle. I really would. He played well this year, and and when Incognito was was out, um, both at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season, I I think Denzel Good is a is a very serviceable uh, tackle. And if you're looking to save some money somewhere, you know you could see a guy like Gabe Jackson as a as a potential cap casualty. Uh, Deion Jordan, I think he's also a guy that played himself into a, um, you know, another contract with the Raiders. The big question mark here is 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 Carl Joseph. I think he's he's definitely the big one, and then your running backs, um, Rashard in Washington, and, and also Worley. I think those are the four names. Now that I'm looking at this list, that you know, I'm just unsure. I don't know what they're going to do with Joseph. I I think they move on from Joseph. Uh, I just think he's undersized. He he's a liability in coverage. He is he's just too small. He, and, and I think he's been taken advantage of just just too much over the years. He's great in run support. He's physical. You love to see that. But um, you know he could probably demand a pretty good contract on the open market. And I I just don't think the Raiders are willing to pay him. Rashard and Washington again. Those are your two wild cards. Do they bring both of them back? Do they keep one? I think Washington really 
had a good audition for himself in the last three games of the year, and I think he really he really proved himself. I mean, the guy was the workhorse on the stretch, uh, was getting 20, 22, 23 touches a game, showed his versatility not only as a runner but also uh, receiving the ball. So I think as much as I you know think that Gruden has a thing for Richard, I think if it comes down to it, I think they'd probably end up keeping Washington if it was one or the other, but most likely they'll keep both. Um, and then Worley, I do think the coaches like Worley, um, his versatility. So again, I could see them trying to bring him back, you know, in, in another, uh, with another deal, uh, restricted free agents, Nicholas Morrow, David Sharp. Um, okay. So, so there, those are some of the potential free agents for the Raiders. Um, you know, I do want to kind of touch on also free agents around the league. Okay, now I'm not going to go through the whole list here. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about certain positions briefly where I think maybe looking to bring in a guy here or there would would be helpful. And I know you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to say quarterback is an area where you could see um, Gruden bringing in somebody to compete with Carr. I do think it's time to put a little fire, to light a fire under him. And uh, I'm not saying this is necessarily the guy that I want, but something tells me it's going to be Marcus Mariota. I could see Gruden, Gruden, you know, taking a guy like him, former number two overall pick, mobile, looking to kind of rejuvenate his career. You know, I could see that be in a place where Mariota lands is with the Raiders. Now, again, I'm not saying I like Mariota or he's better than Carr. I'm not saying any of that. I just, something, my gut tells me that could be a, you know, a match. I know a lot of people are saying Ryan Tannehill. I don't think the Tennessee or the Titans are going to let him go. You know, he's played well. He's mobile. Uh, he's played really well this year, but I, I don't think the Titans are going to let him go. Teddy Bridgewater is another name you keep hearing. Um, you know, I don't really know how I feel about Bridgewater. He he played well again this year. I think he was what four or five and zero, uh, in relief of Drew Brees this year. So those are some of the names at quarterback you could hear. Um, another area that I think could use uh, an upgrade, obviously wide receiver. I'm looking at the list right now. I'm not seeing anyone that's jumping off the list at me. Um, I'd rather see them address wide receiver through the draft, and I think that's what they will do. Uh, Linebacker, okay? Linebacker is definitely a position they need to address. And and the the guy I've been talking about uh, is uh, Schobert from from the Browns. Um, What's his first name? Joe? Joe Schobert, yeah. He's the guy that I would like to see. He's young. He's productive. He's, you know, he's... I don't think he will break the bank, so he's a guy that I keep bringing up uh, when I'm asked about who you know who I think I want them to target in free agency. I'd like to see him bring in a linebacker. Um, if you're not going to address it through the draft, bring somebody in through free agency, please. Enough, enough of this. It's been long enough. Um, they need guys that can cover. Schobert can do that. He's versatile. He you know he fits today's he fits the the the, the makeup of um, you know an NFL linebacker in today's game. Uh, so, so again, those are a few of the um, positions that I think, you know, need need to be upgraded. Obviously, the secondary too. Oh, excuse me, one of the other names that I keep hearing 
about uh, when it comes to linebacker is this Corey Littleton uh, from the Rams. And I got to be honest with you, I don't know much about him. Um, he's 26. He's gonna his name. I continue to see pop up when you know he, when I'm reading about free agency. Um, so you know he could be a guy that multiple teams are, are going after. So his price tag could get could get a little high. Um, but again, I, I like Schobert. He's 26. He's young. He's versatile, and he's he's been very productive for the Browns. So um, <clears throat> that's a little bit about um, some of the soon to be free agents. Uh, one last thing that I do want to talk about about the 2020 season is the opponents. Um, the list of teams they're playing are out. Obviously, the schedule doesn't get released until April. But um, the home schedule, the home opponents were released. And obviously, you have Denver, Kansas City, uh, and the Chargers. Also, they're playing the Bills who are a playoff team this year, the Saints at home, the Colts at home, the Dolphins, and uh, the Buccaneers. So um, those are your home opponents in Las Vegas. And then your away opponent opponents, Denver, Kansas City, uh, Chargers. Then they're going to be traveling to Foxborough this year. Uh, back to MetLife Stadium again in New York. Atlanta, Carolina, and Cleveland. So those are your opponents for the 2020 season. And um, I've already got a couple games circled on my calendar. My wife and I have been talking about, or I've been telling her <laughs> about for two years now, once I found out the Raiders are moving to Vegas, that we're going to go. 2020, we're going. So the fact that they're going to be playing the Bills works out perfect for me because my wife is a Bills fan. We live in Buffalo. She's a Bills fan, so we're going to go out for the um, Raiders versus Bills game this year. I'm hoping uh, you know that'll, that'll be a good time for us out in Vegas. And then I'm planning on going to see the Raiders play at Cleveland because that's a, that's a short three-hour drive for me from Buffalo to Cleveland. So I plan to check out two games next year. Now, this will be the first time I've ever saw two games in one season. So uh, I'm excited about that in the 2020 season. Okay, before I wrap up uh, this week's episode, uh, I do want to talk about some plans for the podcast in the off season. Um, you know, I, I am not going to be recording every week in the off season. What I plan to do here is, uh, after this episode is published, I'm going to sign off probably for a couple weeks at least. Um, you know, unless there's some sort of breaking news that something I feel like I, I, I got to get behind the mic and, and share my thoughts with you. But I will be taking some time off. This is kind of a, a dead period here. Um, as free agency starts to heat up a little bit, um, you know, you'll, you'll hear from me again. Uh, obviously, I'm going to I'll be involved throughout the draft and I, I plan to, uh, you know, put out episodes during during free agency and draft time. Um, but I also want to talk about um, some changes that could be going on over at the site, silverandblackpride.com. And I'm not sure if any of you are aware of it. I know that the site has not put out um, any kind of uh, information on it. I, I, I thought they were going to do it, but they haven't. So I just felt like it was time for me to let you guys know what's going on um, because it does affect me on the podcast here as well. There's a new law, a California state law, and it's kind of hard to explain um, but basically, guys like myself, 
who write for, who are staff writers for silverandblackpride.com, SB Nation, we're considered um, independent contractors. Um, we're not full-time or part-time employees. We're, we're independent contractors. So the new state law out in California, which just came into effect, I believe, at the first of the year, um, kind of prohibits uh, the amount of work that I can contribute to the site, that I can produce. And in fact, it, it puts a very low limit on how many articles I can write per year. Um, so really, when you, to make it easier for you to understand, I'm only able to, produ- to produce three episodes or three articles a month. Now, that's way lower than my um, quota has been in the past. And that includes podcasts as well. So there could be some big changes coming at silverandblackpride.com. Um, they're in the process of letting some of us out of our contracts should we want to, or we're able to apply for part-time and full-time positions with the company, and which I have done. I've applied for, for both. I'm hoping to stick around. I want to I stay around. But, um, you know, that's kind of up in their, the ball's kind of in their court when it comes to that. But uh, what I'm saying here to you is that in the next month or two, um, if guys like myself and, and Cyril and, and BD uh, Williams, who's, who are some of the guys that you, you know, follow on silverandblackpride.com, if we are not brought back, if we are not hired as part-time or full-time employees, then uh, I, I can only speak for myself, but I will, you know, most likely not be with uh, silverandblackpride.com anywhere so, or any longer. So, um, just wanted to give you that heads up now because, you know, you may not hear from me on a weekly basis anymore with the podcast. And I just wanted to kind of keep you guys in the loop about that information. Regardless of uh, what goes on with, with the, the, the changes uh, at SB Nation and silverandblackpride.com, I will keep you informed of where I end up. I fully intend to you know, take the podcast with me uh, should I should I have to leave and and you know I'm hoping to find a new home somewhere else where I can continue to write and uh, you know share my my passion for the Raiders uh, with, with you guys so um, stay tuned for that bit of information and with that being said uh, it's time to wrap up this episode uh, I do want to thank everyone again who participated in uh, you know my Twitter uh question and, and, and gave me some of your feedback and some of your responses. I appreciate you guys getting involved. And, you know, I hope everyone has a, a, a healthy, happy start to the new year here in 2020. Um, there's a lot to look forward to as far as Raider fans are concerned. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. You can send me a DM at egrope 5 um, with any off-season topics you'd like to talk about or, you know, hear me talk about or you know, anything you want to uh, get a hold of me for, feedback on the podcast, let me know at egrope 5 DM me over at Twitter. I hope everyone has a great week. Uh, we'll be in touch. And as always, just win, baby.